Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. It is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new Prime Minister. Politics in general has taken total leave of its senses. Changing one man at the top of the Tory party won't make any difference. He won't fix the problems. Let's have a fresh start for Britain. Let's have a real change of government. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Ewan Potts. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up on today's programme, we speak to the Conservative MP James Gray as the contest to replace Boris Johnson heats up. And do campaign videos really change MPs' minds? The journalist and author Sam Delaney is going to join us later on. He's written a book on advertising and will give us his review of all the ads so far. But first, the field of candidates to replace Boris Johnson as leader of the Conservative Party and Prime Minister is down to six. By the end of today, it will be no more than five as the knockout votes continue. Former Chancellor Rishi Sunak led the race in the first round of voting with the most support from MPs, but Trade Minister Penny Mordaunt has emerged as another leading candidate. We must win that election. I am your best shot at winning that election. I am the candidate that Labour fear the most. When a sign of how quickly things can turn for big names, current Chancellor Nadim Zahawi, former Cabinet Ministers Sajid Javid and Jeremy Hunt have all been knocked out of the race. The question now is who will their backers vote for instead? Jeremy Hunt is now supporting Rishi Sunak, but Steve Baker, Conservative MP for Wickham, reckons that the ex-Chancellor won't win the final round. We know that Rishi amongst members is a loser. I mean, sorry, I like Rishi, but in amongst members he'll lose to anyone. So even Rishi now, it's not guaranteed he gets into the last two, and if he does, he'll lose. So this competition, truthfully, is wide open. Well, the result of the next round of voting will be out at 3pm today. Well, let's bring in Conservative MP for North Wiltshire, James Gray. Uh, James, thank you for being with us on the programme. You've made up your mind about who you want to be leader. Yes, I have indeed. I've been supporting, and I indeed I proposed, uh, Penny Morton. I, I think she's a clean pair of hands, a brand new start. And after the difficult times we've been through recently, I think that's exactly what the country needs. I think she's also the person that's most feared by the Labour Party, as you heard, I think, a moment ago. So I think uh, I'm very strongly a supporter of Penny Mordaunt's, and I think the, the, the figures, the results she had yesterday um, are really very encouraging. I think it would be fair to say that of the three the three front runners uh, for the job, Penny Morden ha- certainly has the least experience. Are you concerned that she she hasn't done any of the really big jobs in government and the, the cabinet jobs she has had have only been for very short periods of time? Well, you'll never experience until you're actually in the number 10 Downing Street. Um, and I think none of the candidates, whether it be Rishi Sunak or whether it be uh, Liz Truss or indeed Penny, uh, can know what it's like to be prime minister. Uh, Liz, Liz, of course, hasn't been in the cabinet for very long. She's quite a newcomer. Uh, and Penny's done a good bit of experience, both as a minister of state and uh, two years, I think, altogether in the cabinet in, in, in Diffid, in the Department for International Development. And, of course, before that, for a very brief time, it was if she was Secretary of State for Defence, and she was absolutely first class when she did that. And you worked with her very closely when she was doing that. And she was absolutely first class Secretary of State, and before that, Minister of the Armed Forces. So I, I've worked with her for many, many years, and I know her to be highly competent, decent, honest, straightforward, 
and appealing to the people. My, my own uh, Conservative Association in North Wiltshire, they love her. Uh, they're really very enthusiastic about her indeed. And I think, therefore, uh, Steve Baker's right that when it comes to the final round, when the two remaining candidates go out around and have hustings meetings around the country, Penny will absolutely romp home amongst the members. They absolutely love her. And I think there's a very strong chance, if, I'd, if I was a betting man, I'd put some money on Penny Morgan for the next Prime Minister. Well, to get, of course, to that stage, she has to win over her colleagues in the House of Parliament first. So who's her biggest competition at this stage? Is it Rishi Sunak? Well, Rishi, of course, is ahead of her. The question now is whether or not um, uh, Liz Truss can catch up. And Liz is quite a bit behind. Uh, but as these other candidates drop away from the... Uh, drop away, can... can uh, uh, Liz Truss, for example, catch up Penny and, and uh, indeed overtake her. I don't think they can. I don't think she can. I think Liz hasn't got the, the real support in the parliamentary party, and therefore I don't believe that she can. Uh, I think that by by the end of the rounds, which will be next, uh, perhaps at least next Thursday, I think you'll find it's Rishi and Penny are the two. I think they'll go out around the country, and I think Penny will show to the members of the Conservative Party she's got some bright new ideas, she's determined to put things right, she knows she's facing a a real problem in many respects, all sorts of difficulties that the, the nation's facing. I think she's got the ability and, and the stamina and the coolness and the cleanness to make an absolutely great job of it, and I'm strongly supportive of her. Can any Conservative Party leader, who's not Boris Johnson, put together a compelling offer to voters like yours in Prosperous Wiltshire, as well as to voters in Bolsover and Blackpool and Burnley? I think that's absolutely right. Uh, any new Prime Minister has to appeal right across the country, as we all have done in the past. And, of course, Penny can do that. I mean, she comes from a very ordinary background. Amongst other things, she was a, uh, a magician's assistant in her, her summer jobs. Uh, and she's great to very, you know, from, from a state school and so on and so forth, Reading University. So she's not one of the grandees. She's a down-to-earth, sensible person, serves in the Royal Navy, and that's a great asset, I think. And she will appeal to ordinary people up and down the country. I think also the, things, the idea she has... Uh, about helping people, for example, with the cost of living. Straight away, you can cut VAT on, on fuel by 50%. Uh, and people are really feeling it. If it costs you 120 quid to fill up your car, people are really feeling that. Straight away, as she comes in, she'll cut VAT by 50%. She's going to raise tax, income tax thresholds uh, and do a whole variety of other things that people, ordinary people in their everyday lives uh, really will uh, strongly appreciate. Um, do, so that, I, think, do, I, think, I think she's a great girl. James, just sorry, that, just those, do those... Do those policies, sorry to interrupt you, do those policies, are they that different from what Rishi Sunak is proposing on the economy, for example? Because Penny Morden is quite cautious about not wanting to increase the debt and she's talking about very targeted tax cuts. You know, it, it's not really an economic policy that's that dramatically different. She's been very sound and very sensible with regard to, to, to um, the, the economy. She doesn't want to just give money away. It's very easy to do that in a general or an election campaign of this, of this kind. Um, she's absolutely committed to uh, the debt will be, as a percent of GDP, will fall over time. That's very sound, very sensible, very cautious. Um, with regard to Rishi or the other candidates, I think um, Penny is taking the view, and I think she's absolutely right, that she should lay, lay out what she stands for, lay out what she believes in, lay out what she as a Prime Minister would do, and allow the other candidates to do the same thing. But I think this uh, internal bickering and, and, and knocking each other's policies and saying, oh, my, my, my policy is better than yours, is rather, rather school, school playground. We don't want to do that. What we want to do is simply say, here's what a, a, a mordant uh, uh, administration would look like. Uh, please support us in this. And I think that my colleagues around the House of Commons, I spend most of my time going around the tea rooms and wandering about and chatting to my, my mates in the in around the Commons. I think they're increasingly, the, the, the word mordant can be picked up absolutely everywhere you go. And I think people are increasingly moving uh, towards supporting her. 
Well, the bookies now have her as the uh, the front runner, and the criticism is starting to come out. It's a pretty brutal interview on Talk TV with the former Brexit minister Lord Frost. Uh, he says that when uh, Morden w- worked uh, with him on the Brexit negotiations, she just didn't uh, master the detail. He he was pretty stingy in his his criticism. Well, again, I think with God, Lord Frost. I mean, quite frankly, um, he's never been elected to anything. Uh, he was a member of the House of Lords. He, of course, fell out with Boris Johnson very big time and left. And I think my, my answer to him would be, well, look, let's not get into this throwing mud around and saying, oh, I, I used to work with that person and she wasn't much good. Um, that's not well, I mean, to be fair, if you're, say, you're saying you did work with her and she was very good. So someone who says that they wasn't and has as well, I mean, their, <laughs> their criticism uh, well, has to be true. taken into account too. <laughs> Um, it does to a degree, but I, I think Lord Frost is just bitter and twisted. He'd like to be an MP. He'd like. He thinks he could be the Prime Minister. He's not. He's neither thing. He's a. He's a former minister that fell out with the Prime Minister, got the sack, and is now in the House of Lords and, and throwing stones at people who are trying to become Prime Minister. I think that's not a, not a particularly attractive thing for him to do. Well, let, let's let's move away from the kind of intricacies of the race for a moment. And if Penny Mordaunt does win, is she going to have to call an election to get the public behind her after this leadership race? No, absolutely not. No, I mean, she has committed to delivering the manifesto, which we all stood in 2019, only two years ago now. And we have two and a half years left of this parliament to run. Uh, and uh, we have to bear in mind that, uh, that we're not a presidential nation. We're a parliamentary nation. Uh, and the Conservative Party won a record majority on the, on the manifesto, on which we stood in 2019. And she's absolutely committed to delivering on that, on that manifesto. So one thing we don't want to do now is have a general election. We're not, we're not seeking a president. Uh, we're seeking uh, the first amongst equals. And Penny is very much committed to being exactly that, bringing everybody on, having, giving um, uh, people in the cabinet their true responsibility and being the first amongst equal, leading a team rather than being some kind of uh, overmighty presidential figure. So no election until probably, I, I thought, probably April, May uh, 2024. James, do you worry that uh, the Conservative Party is going to be rather self-indulgent ha- having a, a long contest over the summer when people are, are really suffering through rising prices for, for their for their everyday uh, goods, so the Conservative Party is going to be uh, looking very much inward for the whole summer, rather than focusing on on the big issues that need fixing in the country. Well, of course, there's some truth in that, and now is not a great time, and never is a great time, I suppose, to have a, a vacancy at the top. Uh, however, bearing in mind that Parliament rises next Thursday uh, for its annual annual summer recess, we will have to have a break at some stage or another. Uh, Parliament, the government will continue, of course, to run. Parliament will no longer be here for, the, for that month. By the time we come back on September the 5th, there will be a new Prime Minister in place. So uh, let's hope it's not too long and drawn out and bitter and twisted and uh, internal and you know, navel-gazing. Uh, we will have a democratic process, and the, the two candidates will go out and see the uh, members of the party and will seek their support, which is very important that they should get it. Uh, and then, as I say, by the 5th of September, the new Prime Minister will be in place and will face Prime Minister's question time on, the, uh, on Wednesday the 6th, if I've got my dates right. Um, and uh, that, that's about as good as it can possibly be. If, if it were a vacancy during the time while Parliament's sitting, it'd be much more damaging because you'd land out with no Prime Minister for perhaps quite a long period. Whereas uh, Boris Johnson's last PMQ's Prime Minister's question time uh, may even have been yesterday, most probably next Wednesday. Uh, and then that'll be that for, for, for a month while we go out around the countryside and speak to members of the party and then back to work on the 5th of September under the new leader. I think that's a pretty good timing. And just very briefly, when we spoke to you in January, you said you were hoping that politics would be more boring this year. Probably fair to say that hasn't happened. <laughs> Are you sorry to see the back of Boris Johnson? 
Um, exciting times we've had. And if you think back over the last 10 years with the, with the coalition, with the uh, virus, with the, you know, the leadership battle, with Brexit, of course, and all the rest of it, it's been a very exciting time and, uh, and, and fun for the uh, journalists and fun for the observers. I would like to see someone like Penny coming in as a new leader, and I would then mm. like to see a boring time to come. I'd want to see her delivering on her promises, which I know she'll do, uh, and a bit of peace and quiet, and let's, let, let's do the right thing okay. for the people of Britain, and less right. internal squabbling. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Now, rival MPs in the Conservative leadership election have been keen to stress the polling that shows them in the most favourable light. Penny Morden's team are brandishing a new YouGov survey saying she has the backing of grassroots party members. Well, Rishi Sunak, yesterday's front runner, is keen to talk about he's, how he is the best-known candidate, according to Ipsos. Now, the polls matter, of course, because ultimately Boris Johnson's replacement doesn't just need to be popular with Tory MPs to win. They also need to show that they're popular, popular enough with the general public and media savvy enough to win a general election. So that's where the campaign video comes in. And they've almost all issued one over the past few days, some of them rather slicker than others. As Prime Minister, I will lead a government committed to core Conservative principles. Low taxes, a firm grip on spending, driving growth in the economy. We've had enough of division. Politics at its best is a unifying endeavour, and I have spent my career bringing people together. Our leadership has to change. It needs to become a little less about the leader and a lot more about the ship. I'm Penny Mordant, and I'm ready to serve as the next leader of the Conservative Party. So those were extracts of the videos from Liz Truss, Rishi Sunak and Penny Mordant there you heard at the end as well. So let's discuss the art of the campaign video and how it's changed with the journalist Sam Delaney, author of Mad Men and Bad Men, What Happened When British Politics Met Advertising. Sam, great to have you on the show. You've, you've been looking at these videos from the Tory contenders. Are you impressed by what you've seen? No, uh, I think they're all sort of, uh, you know, they seem as if they've been hastily assembled 
from library footage with, you know, back of a fag packet ideas, which you'd hope would be the case. You you know, uh, I'd, I hope, you know, you, you'd like to think that Boris Johnson's own chancellor hadn't been strategized in a, a campaign video for months and months and months whilst working alongside the, the incumbent prime minister. Um, so, you know, you'd assume that these had been thrown together quite hastily. You can see that they have been. The production values are not particularly high. You know, the strategic sort of underpinning of, of the scripting is kind of corny in all cases. However, you can see that what they're doing is they're appealing to just, you know, 300 and so 300 or so individuals in the Conservative Parliamentary Party. So it's a very different job to the usual job of making campaign videos that have to ap appeal to the entire electorate of tens of millions of people. So they're having to find very specific angles in each of them. And, and that is the one thing that I would say in, in the three videos that you just played clips of, they have done fairly well. To me, it's quite clear what the, the sort of pitch that each of these three candidates are, are coming forward with. Morden um, uses a, wants to land the idea that it should no longer be about the leader and personality politics. It should be about the party as a whole. Mm. She uses a uh, an awful mixed metaphor, which it should be less about the leader and more about the ship. Mm. She surely means the captain. Ships have captains, not leaders. But anyway, <laughs> that aside, I think I kind of get what she's 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 getting at there. Sunak, who I think delivers it like a, a, a hugely patronising episode of Jack and Ori with the sort of story he tells about his his ancestors and how they came with nothing. But then luckily for him, he grew up a billionaire. Um, he he talks about bringing the country together, um, whether or not you buy that or the MPs will buy that. I don't know, but it's certainly a clear pitch. And he's right. The party and the country are divided. So the idea of being the unity candidate is a legitimate one. And trust is very much saying to her fellow Conservative MPs that she's the candidate for traditional Conservative values. To me, hers is a bit of a gamble because her messaging seems to be a direct appeal to the right of the party. She talks about low taxation, small state, tight spending and all the sort of things that one particular wing of the party may find appealing. But what she needs to do to get into the final two is to have a sort of a nice collection of all sides of the party. So um, they each of them have a clear sort of pitch to their fellow MPs. The execution in all cases, I think, is kind of poor, corny, in some cases, slightly embarrassing. Uh, in, in, in this Truss's case, I would say that it's almost slightly sinister. Although, who knows, maybe some of her colleagues might find that appealing. But <laughs> I would say, obviously, these things have had to be thrown together at very short notice, very quickly. Whereas usually, you know, campaigns have, you know, huge teams of communication experts working on them for months and months and months. This has all been a bit kind of flying by the seat of your pants. Mm, it's probably fair to say that's not a, a glowing review uh, overall. Uh, do you think, is there a problem with our attention span these days? Sitting through two to three minutes of a campaign video, never mind eight of them just seems like a long time now I mean that seems like a terrible thing to say doesn't it but do you think anybody's actually going to sit down and watch all of these things apart from you I think that the I think you know again this is aimed at a very specific and very small audience at the moment their campaign videos are designed chiefly to um 
appealed to their fellow MPs. So there's only about 300, I can't remember the exact number, 300 something MPs that they need to appeal to at this stage. Will those MPs be swayed one way or the other by these videos? I would say that's unlikely because most people make decisions on the base, especially MPs who, who work day in, day out with the, and, and see the, these candidates mm. up close every day over a period of years. They make their decisions over a period of time based on their, you know, the depth of knowledge and their experience of working with these people. Um, so I think it's unlikely, but they will watch it and they will get the broad idea of where each of these candidates are pitching themselves. But when we get to a final two, they will then have to create videos that are for the wider Conservative Party membership, at which point, you you know, you'd expect perhaps their their campaign videos and their whole kind of strategic pitch to, to change completely because yeah. it's a different audience with a different set of priorities. And then whoever does get elected, the next time they come to an election, at that stage, you'll be making camp campaign videos for the entire electorate and their pitch will change once more. It basically the it, who you're talking to completely dictates what you're saying uh, yeah. in your video. The, when, when campaigning officially starts, each candidate will have a maximum of three hundred thousand pounds to spend. If you were advising them, where would you say they should be spending that money? Well, I think that nowadays the most money will go into social media um, uh, spending because you know, first of all. The sort of content you need to make to sit on, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or TikTok or wherever they, they want to place them, uh, the production values are lower. You're very right about length. You don't you no longer need these epics that were made by Oscar winning directors, which was the case back in the 1980s when Labour would hire Hugh Hudson and, and the Conservative Party hired these big names. You don't need that. What you need is sharp, targeted messaging. The beauty of social media means you can be extremely targeted. I mean, you know, in the 2015 election, the Conservative Party were very smart at, you know, telling one message to a very, not just a specific group, a specific constituency, but to a specific group of people within a particular constituency that they that they could target via Facebook and tell them the precise message that they needed to tell them in order to influence their voting decisions. All political parties in America and in the UK are now able to do that, and all of them do do that. And actually, the production values, the videos themselves, can be made relatively inexpensively. Where you want to spend your money is in social media that can target, it micro-target the exact people who are going to influence the outcome of the election results. So I think that's where they will probably spend their money when they end up um, trying to pitch to the wider party membership. Uh, you've written about the golden age of, of of TV advertising. Is that is that all really gone now? Because we do still have party election broadcasts, don't we, on the, on the TV? I'm not sure how many people watch them, apart from people like us who are nerdily obsessed with politics. But the, the, the days of those of those of those glossy sort of political movies uh, are, are gone, aren't they? Really? I think you're right, and I think that. Probably now that you can target people with more specific messaging and you can find the exact right people to target. Very often it might be just a handful of people who actually influence the, the outcome of, of, a, of a vote. Um, that Those big, glossy, expensive films probably are less worth it than they ever were. But the one thing they did always deliver and still have the ability to deliver is to set the narrative in the wider media. Because you're right, it will be political obsessives such mm. as us 
who watch them. Then we will discuss them on shows like this or newspaper reporters will write about it in their newspaper and it will shape the narrative that then trickles down to the wider uh, the wider electorate who, of course, are the people who matter. So the, the best example of a, of a bigger campaign actually having an impact, I think, on an election result was in 1992 when John Major was lagging way behind Labour, uh, Neil Kinnock in the opinion polls going into the general election. And the Conservative Party had had some terrible years um, under John Major. They were, they were way behind. We'd been through a recession. It was very difficult to see how they could possibly appeal to the electorate. And uh, Saatchi and Saatchi came up with a campaign based on the risk of Labour raising taxes. And I mean, they they plastered the, the you know, the, the whole country with posters about this Labour's tax bombshell and peppered TV ads with it that it really shifted the narrative because journalists picked up on that, started writing about it, and suddenly it became the central topic of the entire election campaign. And that had been driven by an advertising idea. So that can still be done. You can you can choose where the debate sits. It was done in the Brexit election as well, even with that awful poster that was very controversial that, that um, mm. Nigel Farage released, the, the bus that Boris Johnson had with the NHS spending yeah. uh, figures on it. It shapes the debate and that trickles down to the wider voters. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.